Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Liz Burgard, Parent Involvement Coordinator. In today's episode, we'll learn more about our district's child nutrition program, free school meals, educational benefits, and the importance of nutrition for our youth. Joining us today is our Anoka Hennepin's Director of Child Nutrition, Noah Atlas, and Assistant Director, Callie Newman. Noah and Callie, thank you both for joining me today. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So we decided that we're going to start with a new tradition, and we would love to hear something fun about you to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And so we're wondering what part of elementary school do you wish that you could incorporate into your adult life? I know there's probably a lot of them, but I'm curious to pick what what thing you choose. Great question. Oh, I would say uh, just probably the organized uh, like gym activities and uh, playing with, you know, friends and peers and, and certain specific sports every single day. I think that was kind of fun to do uh, for gym class. I was going to say the same thing, but I hated gym in school. I like it now, <laughs> but I hated it then. Uh, so I'm going to go with nap time, a uh, little carpet square, have at it, you know, middle of the day, refresh, relax, get going again. I know I thought I would never fall asleep, and then I think I fell asleep every single day. <laughs> cool floor, turn off the light, come on. That's right. Yeah, who doesn't want that? Thank you for sharing. I think the thing for me that I miss is kind of what both of you had said, just what you you knew what to expect every day when you were going to school, and you the memories that we all have, either good nor bad, there's always the little things from our life that stick out to what makes us who we are today as adults. So thank you for sharing. Noah, before we start and dive into our questions for the podcast today, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you made the journey into an Okanapin? Uh I'm Noah Atlas. I'm the Director of Child Nutrition. Uh, I've been here a little over nine years, and it took the long way to get here. Um, did college and culinary school and then worked and uh, ended up you know, working for some grocery chains and some large-scale food manufacturers and did some more restaurant and Um, It really was kind of a a fluke. My wife was looking for a new job for me and found this this posting for Anoka Hennepin. And I said, there's no way. Um, And I put my name in there. And in the meantime, I'd gone back to get my MBA because I really wanted to do more management of the business side. And um, so I was looking around and, uh, you know, the restaurant business is tough. You work 80 hours a week, if not more. And it was, it was just a tough space. And so I got this call and they said they wanted to interview me. And I started calling around to people and I was saying, um, can you tell me more about this job? You know, I did a little research on my own, but it's its own world. It's very different. And I called a couple of people and they said, oh, don't worry about that. That job's filled. And I said, oh, that's funny because I have an interview next week. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I came here and it was just a great environment and great people. And I, I got along really well with um you know, the, the folks who were in the cabinet and who were in charge of the district at the time and the school board and had some really great conversations with them and, and you know, learned a lot since I've been here and kind of took this long way around. But, you know, the experience that I got really gave me a good background into how I could work with our guests and our families and our communities. And it gave me kind of a different perspective than just being 
not just being in school, but gave me kind of an outside perspective of, you know, being a parent and those kinds of things when I walked into the position. So. That's awesome. I'm wife. Th- I'm glad that your wife found the job for you and you were interested in applying and using all of the skills that you had had to, to really find a spot that you feel like you fit. And now you've been here for nine years yep. and I'm sure you've learned a lot, a lot along the way. Oh, a vast, vast amount. And it was the, really the people that I worked with that taught me the most, but, and still do for that matter. But um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it was a really great opportunity and I'm glad I was able to do it. Kelly, how about you? How did you become part of the Anoka Hennepin community and, and work here? So I uh, studied nutrition and dietetics at the College of St. Benedict. And after I did that, I uh, moved to Indiana to do my dietetic internship. Uh, in order to be a dietitian, you have to do that. And uh, after my rotation in school food service, uh, I really, you know, I thought like, this is where I want to be. Um, I, you know, I had multiple weeks in food service in hospitals, multiple weeks of clinical in hospitals, and I just really wasn't passionate about it. Uh, and then just being able to, you know, connect with students and educate students and uh, be that first line to provide them with, um, you know, nutritious meals and uh, educate them with that is where I really uh, found that passion. So when I was in Indiana, I had opportunities to work for uh, two other school districts there. And um, as soon as, you know, I, I loved it there, and but I knew it wasn't home and my home is here in Minnesota. So I was constantly keeping my eye on opportunities here in schools. And this uh, position opened up in, uh, in the start time was right when COVID happened of March of 2020. So I uh, applied and um, was able to, you know, uh, secure this opportunity. And I've, I've loved it ever since. And now it's starting to, we're really starting to get into um, a pattern of having a kind of normal back. And it's been great to feed our guests and try new things and um, keep things, keep our menu interesting and also just um, new and uh, offer many different choices. So it's been great. Both of you have amazing stories to get to where you're at today, and and I just really appreciate all that goes into the food choices that our students get each and every day, and I don't think all of our listeners think about it, or I don't as a parent in the district and a staff that works here, think about all of the things that go into our nutrition services every day to support over 38,000 students with a variety of meals at different levels. So can you give us, uh, give our listeners an insight about what this means how many, uh, kind of what happens in our child nutrition programs, how many meals are served. It's a lot. That's all I know. I don't know the details, but I know it's a lot. You guys do manage a lot of different things every day. And I think it would be helpful for our listeners to know about it. Yeah, we're one of the services in the, in the district. And so, you know, our services run a little more like businesses, you know, that are within the district and we're that way too. So I think the, the biggest thing for people to understand is we actually are, kind of an arm of the federal government. You know, we all work for the district, but we, we everything we do is, is managed by a congressional act that came from 1946. And that sounds like a long time ago, and it was, but there've been a lot of updates since then. And I think for, for people, what they don't really understand is that this is a government program and, and not a government program in a bad way, but a government program in the fact that everything is legislated. What we serve every day, and Callie, Callie can definitely tell you more about that, but what we serve every day, how we serve it, when, you know, just when we serve it, and that makes it a little different for our guests to understand because a lot of our, our families and guests and communities think, well, it's just food. I can feed my student food, right? What, what are you doing that's so different? Why can't you just do X, Y, or Z? And while we understand that, but you don't have a sodium restriction at home. You don't have a fat restriction at home. You don't have a calorie restriction at home, right? 
you feed healthy and, and great food to your students, but for our guests, it's a little different. And so we have to go, you know, the long way around to make it exciting and attractive to them. And on top of it, we're the largest restaurant chain in Anoka, right? We have 42 schools, we have 45 kitchens, we have 300 some odd staff. In fact, we're looking for staff. If you're looking for work, you can apply at Anoka Hennepin. And uh, we still need people, but we serve about 10,000 breakfasts every day. And we do that in about a half an hour. And we oh. serve about 26 and a half thousand meals. And that's in two hours. You know, we, as I say, are the biggest restaurant chain. And we want to make sure that the quality at one of our schools is the same quality at every school, right? We don't run this program for one school to be the best. And if you believe your school is the best, that is amazing. We appreciate that. That's wonderful. We want you to. But we also want you to know that if you visit your middle school and your high school or your alt schools or a different kitchen, it's going to be just as good. But that's the long way around it. But, you know, Kelly can talk a little more about what goes into that meal every day. It's just not what you think. Sure. So uh, like Noah mentioned, with we're governed by the USDA. So we have multiple different uh, nutritional requirements that we have to have for our menus. And one of them being sodium. That's a, a big topic of discussion in child nutrition as well. But we have to uh, have our sodium at a certain level, as well as uh, calories. Uh, we're not also able to have any trans fat in our foods. And then our saturated fat, there's a certain percentage that needs to be, it needs to be lower than that. So, you know, we have the nutritional requirements, but then we also have a meal pattern, which uh, specifies kind of our, uh, our serving sizes for our foods in schools. So we have to make sure that we have different uh, proteins and grains and uh, fruits and veggie uh, choices. So we have uh, vegetable subgroups, which means that we have to have different vegetables. Like we can't offer potatoes every single day. We have to have red, orange veggies, you know, so grape tomatoes, carrots, and then we have other veggies, which are, you know, your green beans. And then um, from there you just, you know, there's multiple different subgroups that um, have to be fit uh, throughout the week. So, um, which makes it exciting because that also gives our students and our guests the opportunity to try different vegetables and have different vegetables each and every single day. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the meal pattern is governed by the USDA, which also kind of correlates with the dietary guidelines for Americans. And also with that kind of the my plate that the USDA oversees. So for us, you know, we follow those parameters for our uh, nutritional requirements and meal pattern. And the biggest thing with that is we need to make sure that, you know, fruits and veggies are offered every single day. And um, when our guests, you know, have their meal, that they are taking at least a fruit or a vegetable with their meal every single time. And there's other uh, nutritional requirements that we have to have with the meal pattern and what they have to take and what they can't take necessarily, but they really need to make sure that they have that fruit or veggie on their tray every single time they go through the breakfast or lunch line. And what I was just going to add that, you know, as a, as a parent in, you know, in our community, unless you've been in schools, high school, uh, grade school, whatever, from 2014 on, the meal's completely different, right? The food you had no longer exists. You know, every, you know, people, people will call and they'll say, oh, you know, I can't believe what you serve students. But if you really look at it, you know, if we serve a chicken tender or a chicken nugget, that's whole muscle chicken that we use. And it is wrapped in whole grain that those are the rules. And people don't realize those changes have happened. So, you know, there's still that thought about the crazy lunch lady, you know, and, and all the you know, mystery meat and things like that. Those days are long gone. 
even just listening to both of you talk, I've just learned so many things about what goes into our meals each and every day that my kids eat. And then they also come home and are like, oh, now I'll try that fruit or veggie at home because they tried it at school. So thank you for being creative and, and giving them opportunities to try different things. Because when I put it out, they don't do it. But when they, are, when they get the option to have it at school, they do. I know um, you guys talked a little bit too about the federal government, the USDA really dictating a lot of the things that we're serving our food. Uh, a new recent legislation that happened in Minnesota was that all students will receive free meals at school. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means and maybe how that's changed or impacted what you just were talking to us about with serving lunches to 26,000 students each day? So a lot of people think this is a, a free meals or a universal meals program. It's really not. What it is, is it's a state, it's the state of Minnesota free meal program. And so what that did was it didn't change, you know, the, um, the quality of the meals or and it didn't change what we can serve and it didn't change any of those things. All of the things we just talked about, all the USDA rules, all the legislation, all the memos, everything else that, that comes from the USDA is all still in effect. What it did is that it allowed the state of Minnesota or the state of Minnesota chose to actually pay the difference that a student would have paid. So if you're unaware, we have free, reduced and paid categories. There are families that can apply for, for free meals. And if they meet a certain income criteria, they could get a free meal for their student or they could get a reduced price meal for their student. And then there's paid categories for people who don't need aid or never replied for it or, or just wanted to come eat whenever they wanted. The state pays that difference. And so instead of a student coming in and paying, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, 275 or whatever it was right before. Now I've already forgotten. It's not been that long, but, um, you know, the price that a, that a paid student would have come in and paid for a meal is now taken on by the state. And if the reduced student would have had a fee in Minnesota, they didn't. But in some states, they would have paid 40 cents for their meal that the government would have taken care of that in Minnesota, but now it's just taken care of. So the difference is that without charge, a student can come through the line, but it didn't change anything else. It didn't change any of the need for people to fill out applications or things like that. But all it really did was it allowed a student to come through and not have to worry about the cost of a meal. But in the same turn, that meant that a student would have to take a complete meal. And those are some of the rules that we were talking about before where a, you know, it used to be that you'd come through and you would get just a tray and here's your lunch for the day. And then in the 70s, they, they, they've learned a little more and they thought, why should we have waste? And so they allowed students to do what's called offer versus serve, which means that I offer you a certain amount of food and you have to take a certain amount of food. In this case, at lunch, you have to take five items or sometimes they're combined, like a hamburgers happens to be two different items. You don't think of it that way. But again, rules, rules, rules. It's the government. It's weird. We know. <laughs> But in this case, a student can come through and take three items. And, and again, they have to take a fruit or a vegetable. But that, that means that a student still has to come through and take that complete meal. And I know people think, well, what's the difference if my student just wants a meal? The difference is, is those are the rules. And the government doesn't always make sense, but that's how the program works. So mm -hmm. the difference now is that the student can go through and not have to worry about school meal debt. They can get that breakfast. They can get that lunch. They can be on their way. And they can learn during the day. And that was what, you know, the state of Minnesota felt that was important. And they passed that legislation. And that's where we're at now. So any student, no matter of income level, no matter where they come from, no matter if they ate at home, they can come through and get a free breakfast or a free lunch every day. Now, the impact on that's been a little different than we thought it was going to be. Um, free meals during the pandemic happened to be uh, happened to exist. And that was from the federal government. 
Um, and we saw this huge increase in breakfast. You know, normally we serve about 95, we served about 9,500 breakfasts. And we saw this huge jump to 20 or to 12,000, 12 and a half thousand breakfasts every day. It was huge. It was all these students were eating. And then lunch, we just saw a modest increase. We went up 500, maybe a thousand today. And when you have 38,000, you know, students in a district, it's still a lot, but 500 across 40, 42 schools wasn't huge. But now we thought we'd see the same thing. What ended up happening was, is we saw this modest increase in breakfast. We're at about 10 or 10 and a half thousand. And we saw this huge increase, you know, two to 3,000 meals a day for lunch. Hmm. So it's definitely been a little adjustment. Um, everybody's been ordering a little more, scrambling a little bit, but we're starting to get into that routine again. It's all those things that we don't think about as parents when we send our kids to school each day about the the food that they're eating and the impact that it does have on your staff. Each of your, each of the 42 sites that you mentioned are staffed by staff that work at that school. And I know that you mentioned earlier that you have job openings if people are looking to um, work in child nutrition or CNP and maybe learn a little bit more. There are jobs on our website. But I do know that the the staff at the school really do make it work with the students that are, are going through the lunch line each and every day. And it's, having lunch with my kids sometimes, you just see how efficient they are and welcoming they are. And so I really appreciate the hard work that your staff do each and every day, too, to help students or our guests, as we call them, to feel successful and to be fed, because that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, our staff have done an amazing job um, under all circumstances. Some schools have plenty of help and some schools have really none. We need a lot more at our secondaries, but we still need people everywhere in the district. But our, our staff have done an amazing job. And I can't say it enough, and they're probably tired of hearing me say it, but <laughs> it's true. They just, they have. They've, they've pulled through every day, and they continue to do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we mentioned, Noah, a little bit about that, uh, what, what students must take in, in order for something to be a complete meal. Kelly, do you want to hit on that maybe a little bit more of what that might mean? So a complete meal uh, is, at breakfast and lunch is a little bit different. Uh, but breakfast, there's four items that are offered. So we either have like a meat, meat alternate, which would be, um, you know, your turkey sausage or your yogurt, your cheese stick. And then we have uh, the grain, which could be a muffin bar or a muffin or um, the breading on a sort of like a biscuit with a biscuit sandwich or something like that. And then we have fruit and then milk. Uh, guests must take three items. So three different items, and then one must be a fruit or a juice. So if a guest takes a chicken biscuit sandwich and a juice, that is a complete meal. If they take a yogurt and a muffin and a apple, that's a complete meal. So that's how the breakfast works. Uh, for lunch, we have five components that are offered. So we have meat, meat alternate. So that's your, uh, your beef patty or your whole muscle chicken breast. Uh, and then also have the grain. So that could be the breading on a, a chicken sandwich, or it could be the, the bun with the hot dog or the bun with uh, the burger. And then we have um, fruits. Uh, so we have a variety of fruits that we offer daily, canned, fresh, dried and then we have uh, vegetables and again that kind of touches on that subgroup piece that we talked about earlier Uh, but we offer fresh veggies and cooked veggies each day and then uh, we also have milk so for guests uh, for guests for a complete meal at lunch they must take uh, three components and one must be a fruit or a vegetable so if they take um, orange chicken with rice and steamed broccoli they're good to go. Uh, if they take a um, hot sandwich and a serving of a half cup serving of uh, canned fruit, 
they're good to go. So there's just two different, a uh, little bit different meal patterns there. But the biggest thing is that lunch, they must have a half a cup fruit or veggie every single time for a complete, complete meal. And breakfast must have a fruit or a juice um, for that complete meal. That makes sense because I know sometimes my kids are like, oh, I just wanted a milk. And they're like, nope, you have to take these things and this is why. So now I know exactly what they have to take, which is helpful because I think that's confusing sometimes for people to understand what a complete meal means. Unless obviously it's not for you guys because you work in the industry and know all of the rules and regulations. And one thing I'll add to that too is uh, we have all you care to eat fruits and veggies. So a big thing is, you know, if, if we're, you know, our guests are, oh, I'm so hungry. Well, definitely encourage them to, you know, have those fruits and veggies. You know, a lot of them have fiber in them, which um, helps, you know, stay, you stay fuller a little bit longer. So we encourage that. Um, we offer, you know, a wide variety of hopefully like, you know, seasonal fruits. You know, we have great apples right now that um, are um, really, you know, popular with the students. But that's another thing that we encourage is that, you know, all you care to eat fruits and vegetables is, you know, offered daily. I know you t- touched on it a little bit, Noah, but before the leg- legislation changed last year, in order to receive free and reduced meals, you had to fill out an application or a form um, to receive the educational benefits application. And and a lot of people aren't maybe aren't filling that out now because their student is receiving a free meal. Can you talk a little bit why it's still important for people to fill out that educational benefits application and what that impact means on a student or a family? Yeah, I think um, us using the term educational benefits form kind of throws people off because what happened is so many people started calling it the free and reduced form or the free meals mm-hmm. form. And that's not really exactly what it is. And so there's there's two reasons you would fill out that form. Actually, three. But there's those reasons would be that, one, you wanted assistance for meals, right? You, you felt that your, your family might be, you know, might be applicable to your family, that you could get a reduced uh, fee on a, on a meal. And that's wonderful. And that, that was very helpful. Uh, but there was two other reasons. One is, is that the application for educational benefits gave schools educational benefits based off of the number of students who were certified to be free or reduced in a school. So that's great. That means that if you have free and reduced students in your school or students who are applicable for that and they met that that income criteria, your school would get more educational dollars. Your personal school, not the district, your actual school would see an increase in funding for teachers, books, computers, whatever it is they needed. If the school has a higher free and reduced rate, the state will give more money to that school based off of their need. The third reason was that if you are, you know, if you can get free and reduced benefit or eligible, um, sorry, if you're eligible for those benefits, um, you can also get reduced fees in school, field trips, things like that. And that that changes from from uh, year to year. And so some people who have younger students say, well, I don't need it. My, my students aren't in anything. But sometimes those things come up. And if you have older students, you have lab fees, sports fees, you know, all sorts of fees. And so that ed- that application for educational benefits can help in all of those categories. And so our fear is that over time, families will just say, well, there's really no need for me to fill it out. But there really is. You want your school, mm-hmm. your personal school to succeed and you want your school to have the things it needs. And yes, the state provides funding to all schools. But in this scenario, it's a leg up for your school. Right. You don't just have to think of it as, well, I already pay my taxes. Well, you do. That's great. But this is a way for your, your money to go further into the right places. And so that's why we want, to, want folks to understand that it's more than just a free meal program. It, it really is about providing dollars to your school and providing some assistance if you need it for other things. And there are things in the, out in the, um, 
in the communities that you can do with them also, you know, there's uh, lower fees for buses and cable and things like that. And there's a whole list of things where you can get other benefits from it. If someone has not filled out the form, do they need to do it annually to complete the Yes, the, the, form, the form has to be filled out annually. And for some reason, when the legislature was talking about this, they were making the statement that you can't fill it out at any time. But applications for educational benefits can be filled out any time. Now, it's best to get it done before the middle of October because that's when the state provides that those dollars to the schools. But for you personally, if you need to reduce fees, athletic fees, things like that, you can fill it at any time. One of the things we used to say about the form, or we still do, is that any change in your life could be a reason that you can fill out an application. So mm-hmm. you could fill one out, and some people do, the last day before school because they want to make sure their student, you know, when they do fall events. Um, so we see them up to the last day of school, and you can fill it out any time. And just because you were denied in the past, it doesn't mean you'll be denied now because the levels change every year. The, the government changes the level of eligibility every single year. So you might have said, well, last year I didn't. But you're not making any more money this year. It might You might actually be eligible this year. So it's not a one and done. You could have lost your job. You could have had a you could you know have a foster child living with you. You could um, have some expenses that came up that are applicable to the you know to the application. You could have gotten married, uh, divorced. There's all sorts of things that happen, but we call them lifestyle changes. And if those things are happening to you, you can always call us and ask. We're happy to help you with that. And if I wanted to find the form, where would I find that application? It is under, if you go to services underneath the Anoka Hennepin page, uh, you'll find the child nutrition page there. And it's the first page. It's it, the, our, our free and reduced application. You'll find it right there on the, on the main page to the child nutrition page. That and our menus. You'll find them both there. Both important things. Very. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I think we have the most clicks in the district on our menus page. Um, you probably, I would be, not disagree with that. used to be that way. And hopefully nobody's <laughs> going to check, but I'm, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> kind of changing topics a little bit, but staying in the same vein of, of nutrition. We know that obesity has been on the rise, especially in the United States. And we do that, that nutrition is a huge part of all of our lives, um, especially creating good food habits at a young age. Do either of you have resources or tips for parents that can help encourage great eating habits or things that we could do at home to help create a balanced meal? Because obviously we're not, the government's not telling us how much sodium we can have in our, our food for our kids. So I think, are there any tips that you would have for parents that are wondering best ways to support their child at home with eating? Uh, I kind of touched on this earlier, but uh, I really um, am, a, am a firm believer in the MyPlate. It's a super easy, basic tool to use. It's um, kind of the newest version of the food pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was way back, but now we're transitioning to this MyPlate after these a few years. But really, you know, encouraging your child to have, you know, half the plate fruit and veggies. That is a huge, there are so many um, vitamins and minerals and nutrients in those type of foods. So we really want to encourage that. Uh, and also, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, um, you know, then that other half of the plate, you know, having a, a variety of some grains and whole grain at that, there's uh, more nutritional value in whole grains. And then as well as having, you know, high quality proteins. So your chicken, your beef, turkey, those type of things. Uh, and, and also encouraging that dairy consumption as well. I'm um, having vitamin D with milk. 
in things and calcium uh, for uh, bone health. But again, I think for parents, you know, to ask your child, what are you eating in school? Because like I said, we offer quite a, a variety, especially with the fruits and veggies. You know, we have plums, clementines, the seasonal apples. Every once in a while, we'll be able to get watermelon, which is a real treat for our students. They really seem to like that. So, you know, asking what they're having, um, you know, jicama is another big uh, uh, fresh veggie that we have that, you know, the students, they may really enjoy it. And that's something that can be incorporated into meals at home. So I I think that asking your student, what are they having and what are they seeing and what do they like? um, But then also remembering that, you know, it's all about balance, right? Making sure that we're having balanced food choices, but really encouraging that fruit and vegetable consumption is very important. Yeah, I'd say for me, you know, I, you know, having kids who are, who are now basically grown, at least the law says they're grown. Um, I think that, you know, part of that is, is um, having that student at home or having that child at home. I think that we have so many different cultures in our district and people from different places and different backgrounds and different educations and everything else. I think that, you know, use whatever you're already doing and, and is it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Don't watch the Today Show in the morning and hear about a new diet and throw everything out in your fridge and then start all over. It doesn't work that way, right? It's going to take time. If it's not something you did before, you know, going with a half a plate of veggies is never going to work. But if you start slowly adding those veggies to your diet, you can get there, right? Mm-hmm. If you start adding new things, if your if your kids see you eating them and if they become a regular part of your, you know, of the things that you make and the, the meals that you make or the meals that you pack you have a better chance. You know, if you're supportive of it, it gives them a lot more opportunity. And, you know, in, in our house, it was the, you don't have to eat it and you don't have to like it, but you do have to try it because you never know what's going to happen. So don't go out and buy, you know, seven heads of heads of cauliflower because you heard cauliflower rice is good, right? Just go buy a small amount of it from a salad bar in your grocery store and then try it with your, you know, with your kids or try it with, you know, in your household. I think it's important to start small and start someplace. And, you know, Callie's right, asking a great question, like, was it what was on your menu? Could we could we try that at home? You never know what they know. You know, sometimes you take for granted that, well, if I don't eat it and they've never seen it, they must not know about it. Well, sometimes they know a lot more than we think they do. And, and I would say take one night a week and try something different. Try a crockpot recipe or try a different, you know, something new or try, you know, try to make your own version of what you saw on a school menu that you know they liked it. You don't have to start big because it'll never work. If you try to upset the whole apple cart or just, you know, like I said, throw everything out of your fridge and start from scratch, it'll never work. But I'd also say get them involved. If they can help make dinner sometimes or they can help pick it out or, you know, even if they didn't eat it that night, at least they were interested in making it. You know, that's at least a first step. You know, it doesn't always work. There was always the family who said, well, my child eats sushi and charcuterie trays. And you're like, well, that's great. But my kid wouldn't touch your house with a 10 foot pole and they wouldn't eat there. Right. But you just never know. You know, if they love the tacos at school, you could try you could try a crockpot recipe or you could try a, um, you know, a burrito or something else that's a little different and get some of those veggies in there. Sometimes you got to be sneaky about it. It just, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes even if they don't know. But it, I, I say including them in some of those decisions definitely helps. I think one of the things, because I have young kids, is, um, as both of you know, but one thing that we've been looking at a little bit more is because we do have a lot of processed food in our home, is looking at the nutritional label on the back as well. And back to your sodium point from earlier, Kelly, now that we've started to look at that, realizing like, geez, we probably shouldn't have three packages of these individual Doritos, maybe having one along with some fruit or a veggie because of looking what is actually in the food that we're eating. 
Um, I mean, my kids don't do it a lot, but it's something that we're trying to at least start to have the conversation about in our house as well. Because I do think it's really important to be thinking about what we're putting in our body and what's really fueling our fueling our brain um, to making us to be productive students or productive adults as well. Well, I think also showing them what a portion size is, mm-hmm. what a real portion size is. It's a great point. I think just ha- and even having those conversations about food and talking about what what's making your body feel good and what's making you feel full. I think things, uh, as you both know, being in um, having a nutrition background, just there are certain things that do fill us up and there's things that are not and, and why that is. As we wrap up our podcast today, I, I first off want to say I learned a lot and I have a lot of takeaways to do better at home and also the why of what we serve at school lunch every day and how many students um, and that you're supporting each and every day and the great work that's happening. But are there any messages that you would like to share with our audience as we wrap up our podcast or things maybe that you didn't hit on during the questions that you feel like it would be important for our listeners to know about? I think it's important that parents know that we also uh, do many testings with our guests and our students in our district. We go to a variety of different schools um, and do you know a small group and test some of the products that we, we plan to have. So we are definitely open and um, listen to our guest feedback. And we do the testing uh, that determines what our menus look like and what drives our menus. So uh, we definitely encourage, you know, students to uh, reach out to us and let us know what they what they are interested in. And um, that's just something that keeps our menus unique and then also fresh. Yeah, I'd say along the same lines, I think there's again, there's that mythology of what school lunch is, um, you know, and it's still out there in in media and cartoons and everything else. And it's just not that way anymore. And I would also say that, you know, we hear a lot from people now that we should have uh, food that's culturally appropriate, or we should be working, you know, to have something on the menu because of, you know, uh, what their students eating at home or, or what they're, you know, what they're seeing around. And sometimes we need to have more specifics, right? If you say you want a culturally appropriate vegetable, we need to know whose culture, right? We need to know what it is you mean. So the more specific you can get with us, the more you can tell us about what you're thinking or what you're hearing would be great. As long as the understanding is there that, you know, we are going to feed it to 26,500 students every day, and we're not giving one choice at our schools. You know, our elementaries have three to five choices every day. Our middle schools have seven to eight. Our high schools can as many, have as many as 12 choices in one day. And so, yes, we appreciate, and as Callie said, we get that feedback from our guests every year about what they like and what they don't like. But, you know, it's always kind of short on specifics about what it is someone would like to see. And that's really helpful to us, too. Not that we can run out and do it tomorrow, but it gives us a long term or long range uh, kind of target. You know, and, and again, we've done a lot of testing and tasting with students where we thought this was going to be a winner or they're going to really love this one item. And it turns out they hate it. And so, you know, one of the things we do is we look at what sells. You know, we look at how many portions we served of an item every time it's served. And the ones that don't do well, we don't serve. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we try to change those menu items for the future. And the ones that do really well, we keep them on. And that's what we work around. So, it, you know, we don't serve orange chicken because we want to go with something really cheap and easy. We go with orange chicken because they love it. Right. Our guests love every time we serve it in the, in the general South chicken. And, it, you know, you, you'd say to yourself, you should never serve a student, you know, many corn dogs. Well, yeah, I might not want to, but that's what they like. And we want to feed them also. You know, they don't have to eat with us, which is why we call them our guests. 
And for now, they like mini corn dogs. And when they change their mind, we'll take them off the menu and do something else. And that's how it works is we treat it like a business and like a restaurant. And these are our guests. And we invite them to eat with us every day. And when they start to tell us they don't like something, we go find a different item to the best to the best of our ability with what's available for schools. I just had lunch with my son a couple weeks back and they had the egg bake where I think it's like egg on the outside, cheese on the inside. And it's like an egg. I don't know exactly what it was. And he and his buddy, who's, whose mom was also there to have lunch, were like, ooh, today was not the best day to bring us lunch because we really like the egg bake. So next time, can you come on a different day? So it's just back to your point about you. You the kids really do know what they like, the orange chicken. My kids now eat orange chicken at restaurants because they had it at lunch. So thank you for taking the time to also get feedback from the students and figure out what they really do want and, and continuing to serve the things that are popular. And we know food changes. And so thank you for staying up on that. Again, thank you so much for your time and sharing uh, a little bit about the work that you do each and every day with our audience members and for the work you do and for the work that all of your staff do each and every day to support our students. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.